Welcome to Gone to Texas, a podcast about AMC's Preacher. My name is Alex, and I have not read any of Ennis and Dylan's Preacher. And my name is Nick, and I have read all of Ennis and Dylan's Preacher. Today we will be discussing Season 4, Episode 4 of the AMC series titled Search and Rescue. While we will not be spoiling any of the comic and by extension any future plotlines of the show, we will be discussing the details of the series through Season 4, Episode 4, so pause this and go catch up before you listen to the rest of our episode. You can find more episodes of our podcast at g2tpodcast.com. We're also on g2tpodcast on Twitter, and you can send feedback to g2tpodcast at gmail.com to tell us what you think of our podcast and share your thoughts on AMC's Preacher so we can read them on our show. Send us corrections, observations, anything regarding Preacher or our podcast. If you enjoy the show or any other show on the Midwest Podcast Network, please consider heading over to mpn.bz slash Patreon and pledge as little as a dollar a month to make our network even better. Special thanks to Jason K. and Gojo who have pledged at the level of $10 plus per month. Uh, so, we did get some feedback this week. Uh, Anne wrote in once again to let us know about, uh, she had a few thoughts. Uh, about our episode three podcast she said hi guys thanks for an interesting episode three podcast and the myriad of entertaining topics you covered homes depot killed me you're welcome (laughs) i'm might be the most proud i've been of a joke that i've made on a podcast before (laughs) other than vin diesel using his soul to portray a lightsaber in star wars but uh other than that let's see Anne says i was also i also was wondering why cassidy feels that he needs to be tortured could it partially stem from his love for tulip Maybe feeling that he doesn't deserve her because of what he is and what he's done with his life, and both of them deceiving Jesse. I'm hopeful for him, though. We see him in episode two, uh, future Cassidy in the hotel room with Tulip, as a lighter person both physically with bleached hair and emotionally in the beautiful, expressive way he says he tells the Patrick Murphy story to Tulip. The way he adds to the story with the use of his eyes and beaming, incredulous smiles is masterful acting by Joel Gilgan, in my opinion, calling to mind the rich Irish tradition of storytelling. It's such a simple but special scene. Tulip's expression while listening to and watching Cassidy was so tender and sweet, I liked seeing them together for that brief moment of happiness. I'll pause there. Uh, that that was what mostly caught me off guard in that first... That's actually at the beginning of episode one, I think, yeah. is that little flash forward there. Can, their their relationship seems to have changed a lot and i think we're right in the middle of seeing where that's going you know with this whole yes her there to rescue him kind of thing he was very happy this week that she, that he saw her there and that she was trying to rescue him um so yeah i so it sounds like it it looks like their dynamic is in the middle of changing quite a bit and i think we're seeing that um I also kind of am curious about like his bleached hair and the fact that he was just carried off by an angel in this episode. So hmm. there's something weird afoot. I don't know. There was part of me that thought when he drained, like when he attacked or killed the angel in this episode, like was he going to absorb some absorb some some type of heavenly power, hmm. which would literally lighten his hair and. That's interesting. But uh, that didn't seem to happen, so... Yeah. We shall see, I suppose. Hmm. I hadn't really thought about that before. That's why his hair was bleached. It might be... It might have something to do with with that. I like that, though. Was that a, was that a book thing at all? Bleached Cassidy hair? No. No? Interesting. He just wanted to have blonde hair, I guess. 
Well, maybe it was I reshoots. Think, I think you might be some, onto something. <laughs> <laughs> they hoped no one would notice. <laughs> but no, uh, I yeah that that scene was incredible though for sure. I mean his he's the whole cast is so good. Mm-hmm. I mean that's the thing we can't praise enough how talented they all are and how committed they all are. But he is probably the standout. Yeah. Uh, yeah, if and, there's anything we continually have come back to, it's been Joe Gilgan as Cassidy. Oh, yeah. Like, <clears throat> you know, say what you will about the adaptation of Cassidy. He's sure. doing a good job of portraying a character that is yes. compelling. Oh, yeah. So. Yeah, I, I'm, I, I will have to revisit that depending yeah. on where the where the series lands with Cassidy. For sure. I, I, I assume it'll be a topic in a season four slash season finale series, recap. series finale yeah. series recap thing so absolutely should start making a list yes. any listeners who want to hear us touch on certain topics too yeah and in, a, in our se- we're, we were we were deliberating whether or not we should do a season four recap and a series recap or just kind of roll them one together. big thing yeah yeah because we don't really have the time to rewatch three seasons there's a baby and a wedding in the midst exactly and yes yeah. so we're on a little bit of a timer exactly we shall see unless, um unless you're cool with waiting like a year for it <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> when we just segue into the when boys. our patreon hits no i'm just kidding uh, yeah well, f- yeah that, that's a great motivator <laughs> <laughs> uh Anne went on to say in her email nick sadly slash luckily I was never exposed exposed to Malort. I did enjoy reading up on it, though. Oh, you have heard of it, though. She said, I highly recommend reading the, quote, Reputation Rests on Bitter Taste section of Jepson's Malort Wikipedia page, specifically the colorful and very funny descriptions of its unique paragraph. Yes. Unique flavor in paragraphs one and three, and whether you agree. Uh, did you Did you read it or no? I've read it before. Well, after I had it, for the first that first experience i was so fascinated by it that i started doing more reading about it online yeah and like they their marketing is like they know yeah they and they it was founded by uh i forgot his name somebody jepson from like Mm -hmm. uh is it swedish or carl carl jepson company yeah i can't remember if he was swedish or danish malort is the swedish word for wormwood okay so yeah swedish but like today, Malort only had one real employee. Yeah, it was like the woman who owns it, <laughs> and she had like no other employees because they only sell it in like Chicago. Yeah, and it's very small batches, but they still maintained it. Well, some guy was so fascinated by it that he started making like posters. He started making like materials, like marketing Malort, just kind of for fun. Yeah. And he got like a cease and desist from <laughs> from the woman from the woman who's from, like from Malort. I don't want this. Yes, <laughs> and and I guess she looked into suing him. Yeah, and found that it was too expensive to sue him, so she hired him instead. <laughs> and now hired Malort, him to not make promotional material. no to work for them and make. And so I think Malort has two employees. <laughs> I think he's the other one, at least at the time that I read up on that, which was probably like two years ago at this point. That's incredible. Yeah, it was the funniest story. Um, but I saw this t-shirt that they make that says Malort, but it's in like the Metallica font. <laughs> it's so <laughs> sweet. That's beautiful. I saw that. I was like, that is the shit. Like if I had discovered Malort when I was still like 21, I would have bought that shirt a hundred percent. Oh yeah. Cause I'm oh, a yeah. huge Metallica fan. And I was <laughs> like, that's so sweet. <laughs> the, uh, the Wikipedia article, uh, shows John Hodgman's, uh, uh, opinion of Malort. He says, quote, it tastes like pencil shavings and heartbreak. Yes. <laughs> Which, 
That's beautiful. And that's just the first layer. Yeah. What I what I prefaced everybody with, and the thing is, I can't pretend that I have some deep, rich history with Malort. It's not something I've been drinking for a decade. Yeah. But it doesn't take that long to become pretty opinionated about it. <laughs> but I, when I brought the that half bottle up north with my wife's family, I told like all the guys, I was like, you got to try this. And they were like, why? And I was like, because it's the worst. <laughs> and you're going to love it. <laughs> We they, will we will bond over this absolutely, and that's <laughs> yeah. the thing. It's like a it's like a rite of passage yep. sort of, and then you belong to like a fraternity of people that have tried Malord and yep. then, and and maybe even had fun while you were doing it. <laughs> it reminds me of an old Jeff Foxworthy joke where he talks about like to him like one of the fundamental differences between men and women is that when women smell something bad, they're like oh, and they go get like some Glade or Febreze and they try to fix it. And guys smell something bad and they go get their friends they're like come here, you gotta <laughs> smell this. <laughs> this is unbelievable, hundred percent true. Yep. That's the way Malort is, but I told I I told all the guys right before they tried it, like as they were trying it, and it was so funny. We like passed the bottle, and like everybody was like, and we were watching everyone's reaction down the line. Yep. it was so funny. I was like, it's like a gobstopper of flavor. <laughs> like it only gets worse. <laughs> it's like your own Dante's Inferno. Yeah, because you're gonna sip it initially and be like, oh, that's gross, but not the worst. And then you'll hand the bottle off. And then give it like 15 to 30 seconds and it, the taste evolves in your mouth and you're like, oh, this is getting worse. And it just gets worse. I remember. And you can't wash it out. <laughs> when we when we first tried it yeah. I, at, at, at Tim's party, I, I think I had it. I had that taste in my mouth for quite a while. Like, oh, yeah. At, at least 45. Not, not even like I didn't even try to wash it out with anything is the thing. Yeah. I took a shot of it and was like. No, and then I just continued to live with it, yeah. and it doesn't. It never gets better. No, it just it continues. gets more and more leathery tasting, and it's it's really it's fascinating. The only neutralizer I really found, the only thing that kind of helped was like lawnmower beer, like <laughs> yeah. cheap beer. Yep. helps kind of mitigate it. So I did look. You can buy a bottle online now. There's there's like a a liquor distributor in that area. We can buy one. And I was going to buy one to bring up north this year again, but like the shipping was crazy. Mm. It was like almost the cost of the bottle. So I was like, never mind. It's going to cost me $45 to get a bottle of Lord. <laughs> of a, a liquor that I don't enjoy. To get a $20 bottle of liquor that sucks. <laughs> yeah. But it is kind of fun. So at yeah. the same time, it would have been worth it. So maybe another time. Uh, the other the other analogy in here that uh, it looks like Joe Swanberg's 2013 film Drinking Buddies, which I have seen, but this is way before I had Malort, so I didn't know. Didn't stand out. In it, actor Jason Sudeikis riffs that Malort is like swallowing a burnt condom filled with gasoline. <laughs> 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 and then there's also... Uh, burnt is a good... Tremaine Atkinson, founder of CH Distillery, was introduced to Malort when he first moved to Chicago. He compared it, quote, to taking a bite out of a grapefruit and then drinking a shot of gasoline. Yeah, I don't. I don't know if I taste any grapefruit. In there. That, you know what? It's kind of that sensation of grapefruit, though. If you have a really overpowering grapefruit, mm. the way it just attacks your mouth, it yeah. is kind of that. There's, there's that no citric like citric acid. With, yeah, there's yeah. no like single taste receptor in your mouth. It's like your whole mouth is under assault, and that's kind of the way Malort is too. Yeah, <laughs> I recommend it. It's great. I did. You know, I think it was. I think it was at Tim's party. They said that uh, the year the the Blackhawks won the cup, like within the last ten years, they drank Malort out of the Stanley Cup, and I was like, "Oh, that's so gnarly! <laughs> it's so great, mm. but also terrible to mm. think that the Stanley Cup has had Malort sloshing around in it. It probably ate away at the yeah. little bit of the yeah the the, the whatever coating. polish is yeah. on. Yeah. Oh, thank you, Anne. 
Yeah, thank you for writing in. Uh, We got another email from Scott. He said, hi, Nick and Alex. Love your podcast. Thank you very much. He pluralized it. He must listen. I don't know if he listens to multiple episodes of this one or to multiple different podcasts of ours. But either way, there's a few to choose from. Yes. Uh, I said, I was intrigued by your discussion about of The Wanderer by U2. It's a great song, and when I looked it up, what struck me was that the quote-unquote narrator was listed as The Preacher. Here's a link to where I read that. It's the Wikipedia article of The Wanderer U2 song. So thanks for your podcast, and I'd love it if you were to do a comic reread podcast. That would be a lot of fun. Thanks, Scott from Cape Cod. We'll add that tally to the, to the list. Uh, but no, yeah, the... Uh, I listened to The Wanderer again, and it's it's really interesting how, like, I think I think we did kind of tap into it of, like, there's this weird, like, meeting your maker is a theme and, and an idea that pops up in a lot of different media, Westworld, so to, so to speak. Oh, uh, yeah. Like, it, it, it's all over the place, and to see kind of this manifestation of that in like a journey to try and find god in the form of preacher or this u2 song or uh, even i joked about what if god was one of us but just like (laughs) i think it's like a very human thing of of like having that higher functioning thought of like where did we come from and then to have it manifest itself in some type of journey i think is pretty natural but oh absolutely but it does it does lead to this like weirdly it's like everybody operating on it like everybody has a wavelength in their brain that they hit where it's just kind of like this is what i'm thinking about right now and then like other people tune into it and it just becomes this thing i i don't necessarily know that i have a point in everything that i'm saying here but i just think that like (laughs) there's these weird natural phenomenon that occur and i think this is one of them that's just kind of like meeting your maker and having a journey about it is they go hand in hand it's a right? universal yeah constant yeah it's a it's a it's a amusing that everybody has at some point yeah yeah i think creator creation it, it's in i mean you and i are obviously both really big sci-fi fans mm-hmm. and it's it's throughout prometheus sci-fi you know even tron tron I mean, absolutely is, is loaded with it yeah uh blade runner mm-hmm. i mean it's it works so well when you really abstract it like that into something really big and it seems so unrealistic, but yet you're, it's, it's a, it's a reason those, those movies and and stories are successful and people connect to them because whether you know it or not, it's something you have probably thought about at some point in your life. And even beyond creator and creation, I think that artificial life is, it's one of my favorite sci-fi, like, concepts that that uh, it gets tackled all the time and i generally always enjoy it's what I, it's one of the many things i love about the the blade runner series i don't think if i can call it a franchise maybe but <laughs> yeah. you know what i mean it's it's wh- it's what part of what makes that so compelling is that examination of that relationship and what putting yourself in the shoes of what each side of that equation are feeling and thinking and how they are reacting to each other and what it makes them then think about themselves it's just uh you know, and we're obviously still we're we're sad that that Rucker Hauer is now gone because yeah. that performance helped catapult that as well uh, into more people's mind. You know, you think of Blade Runner, you obviously think of Harrison Ford, but you can't not think of Rucker that also monologue and how yeah, incredible he is. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, it's a it's a really 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 kick ass song. Yeah, <laughs> not only is it really 
musically really cool and it stands out in YouTube's catalog. I mean, it is it is a weird song. It's literally it's an, the only song like that. It's on, an outlier. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they had they have a lot of electronic electronically motivated stuff like that, but it's it's just the kind of thing where if you listen to that whole album front to back, it, as soon as that one kicks in, you kind of would be like, "Huh?" And yeah. your ears kind of perk up just cuz there's there's a different energy to it. And uh, I mean Johnny Cash obviously will double makes you raise your eyebrows like holy shit that's not Bono. Or, yeah, I was gonna or, say is that literally the only non Bono song? Is there anything that like there Edge are sings one on or two own? songs that the Edge sings? Uh, but yeah, for the most part, it's yeah. at least a member of you too, not Johnny Cash. Like yeah. it's it's that's part of what makes it so awesome too. Like he's he's perfect for it. It just really it, it stands out in their in their uh their body of work and i've always been really fascinated by that song and uh yeah i think it goes really hand in hand with preacher in a really excellent way both the show and the book yeah and it's interesting that the narrator is referred to as the preacher so maybe it was written from this perspective of just that character but i think to me a lot of it reads as like what god would be saying simultaneously Uh, there's there's if you go through and read the lyrics i think that you could it, it could be either character but i think there's a few moments that to me really speak to like the idea that God is also walking around checking things out. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, that's really cool. I'm glad a couple of people actually sought it out. And whether you were already familiar with it or not, uh, Scott, I didn't, I couldn't understand if you had already been familiar with the song or, or discovered it because of this. But either way, I'm glad you dig it. Yeah. I think it's such a cool song. Yes, absolutely. I was trying to think of more music that we could tie in to this, uh, to this show, actually. The mm. more stuff I was listening to, I was like, I wonder if, but I mean, there's nothing's going to come close to that i mean yeah <laughs> it's perfect so aside from that uh incredibly spectacular um scottish men's choir song that happened in the finale of season three after yeah the the angelville was burning and stuff that was just that was a that was an incredible moment in that show if not one of my favorite if not my favorite what what stand what's going to stand out after the end <laughs> that was for amazing. sure all right, I think it is time to get into. Our, we did get a, some some uh, Discord comments as well. Uh, some things that we might pepper throughout the show. Uh, both um, Joseph and Bruce have been talking quite a bit. I, I know. Um, I saw Mark tweeted at you and said cicada. Yes, I did get awesome. several several cicadas from last week, which is good. It's good to know that people. You need, you need a new word for this week. Yeah, I won't. Well, uh, We'll see. Whatever. <laughs> yeah, that's. True. It's like I, I think. Uh, uh, we'll uh, see if we need a if we need a, a light at the end of the tunnel of this episode. Too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, all right, let's get into it. The teaser. This episode starts off back when God and Star convened, as shown in the season premiere. Star almost had Jesse, but God says that the plan is now to make him suffer. Star wonders what exactly it is that God wants, but God plays coy and asks how Humperdoo is doing, since he is integral to everything. Star lies about Humperdoo since he currently has no idea where the real Humperdoo is. We learn that God has promised Star, quote, visage pristinus or his good looks back if Star does his part. As God mentioned that his great, uh, as God mentions that his great design is at work, we cut to Jesse's plane falling out of the sky as God laughs. The plane crashes in the sea and Jesse and the pilot make it out unscathed. But as they climb into a life raft, Jesse asks God if that's all he's got, and a storm starts on cue. Once again, we're hopping around, timeline-wise. Um, yeah. Seems that way. 
I still don't have a clear understanding of why, uh, other than like this, this conversation kind of clues off the fact that like Jesus is coming to Masada for a reason, I believe is one of the things that like, maybe they didn't exactly want to, um, tip their hand in that sense yeah. i don't know but what what did what did you think about this opening like what, what do you think about god and and like we knew that they were consorting but like we get the actual context of the conversation now what do you think i think i'm learning to just let go and <laughs> roll with it yeah assuming that we are kind of in the same boat as every character who's not god yeah we're, we're all at the mercy of the storyteller, so to speak. And we just kind of have to go with it. I think it's funny that star is lo- that star lies to God. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> God, like God. I yeah. was like, man, the arrogance on this dude <laughs> that he thinks he can slip <laughs> one by God is f- amazing. Yeah. He's doing quite well. <laughs> Saw him this morning. <laughs> he laughed so hard. I was like, what? Is it working? That's what I couldn't tell. Like, <laughs> yeah, does God actually know that he's lying straight to his face? Yeah, it's that was very funny. I just like I, I just cannot but laugh. I was like, whatever, that's where we're at. Um I really, really like now that this has turned into a legitimate performance by Mark Harlick. Like he's actually playing God as like a character now, which is pretty sweet. Yeah. Like before it was kind of a novelty. Like it was just like, Oh, he just has to show up and be weird and abstract. And then he, he, the God part is hair and a beard and we get it right. Right. You know? Like, yeah. Initially it was just like the God doppelganger yep. that they made. And then it was just God in like his weird costume and like yelling some commands during some visions and that kind of thing. But now he's actually like turned into like kind of a, kind of a coy slippery dude and i can't yeah. figure out what his deal is and i'm like this is really cool like i, I really really like it initially i was ir- a little irritated that he was like on earth just dealing with the grail and or not the grail so much as just star yeah directly affecting human yeah and like acting as though they're partners mm-hmm. i was like i don't know and now i'm a lot more into it i like it i guess my thing is is that right now the only indication that i'm getting from all of this is like i currently at the moment the way that i kind of envision it going i don't really want this to i don't really want this to be the idea that like god's great design is a farce or like especially with the verbiage that he uses here it it almost feels like we're headed towards this like hey guess what god said he had a plan but he really doesn't very possible i i don't i don't know that that's true but you know the the references to great design it it just kind of makes me feel as though we're on the tip of this this turn that's like hey god's great design is this laughing stock and you know it's very it's very strange i also don't really get god's gambit with humperdew was he trying to put star off of his trail distract him from the question of like what does god really want out of this yeah potentially so or maybe humperdew does have some some higher calling part to play yeah it's definitely one of the few things that really is continuing to kind of reel me in and pull me forward is wondering what God's up to. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. 
Um, and then, yeah, uh, Star being promised his good looks. Um, it, it almost feels like a be careful what you wish for situation. Yeah, they're definitely setting up a joke. Yeah. That's going to pay off at some point, I presume. Yeah. <clears throat> so, uh, I, I did enjoy God, like, touching Star's face mm-hmm. and head and, like, humming and and just yeah it, it was weird it's weird it's weird it's it a weird. weird thing that we're viewing on tv right now absolutely so i appreciate that it exists at yeah. the very least but like <laughs> I, I i do feel a little bit in the lurch of like okay where are we going here but yeah what, what it's not it, a bad thing what does all this mean yeah uh any thoughts on like the sea landing part of the opening i'm glad he didn't fall on his face in the desert as i yeah. hypothesized I, I the shot of god in the plane was funny yes i, I enjoyed it i was like man hartlick is just going for it mm-hmm. he, and he's, he's demonstrating <laughs> de- demonstrating he's de- <laughs> Jesus. he's demonstrating quite a bit of range is what i was trying to say yeah. all in one word <laughs> uh just trying, trying out some new lingo shortening it up it's good uh yeah, he's all over the place with this performance, which is awesome. It's a lot of fun. Which, if I don't, it, I might be wrong, but I think Bruce brought up the th- his hypothesis is that we may be looking at several instances of God. Yeah, uh, and I I don't quite know how that lines up as of yet. Like, there's Meaning almost he's like in a multiple places at once. Not necessarily multiple places at once. But the idea that of like, oh, there's a good God and like a bad God mm. or like that type that's of right. That's right, that's right, that's right. dichotomy or something of that sort. Yeah, that's interesting. That uh, I think that might be a little too complex for this to mm. get into whether or not God actually is split amongst several personalities. Yeah, it's almost like a Greek God situation. Of yeah, like it's a little... A democratization of which is human very, experience. Yeah, which is a very interesting idea, but... It does carry some. It does hold water when I think about like the god in the in the dog suit. I think that's what he mentioned. He's like, "There's that god, and then there's this god, and that is interesting." But he is also God. He might just be in, able to do a lot of things and be in a lot of places at yeah. r- 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 about the same time. If he or is the omnipotent, he can also just omnipresent. Yes, he could just leave. Yeah, like all right, star, and then boom, he's in the plane, or he's not even in the plane. He just is is there the idea that god is there around you around everyone all the time yeah i don't know it's it's a really it's a fun thing to speculate on but ultimately impossible to peg to peg down yeah yeah we shall see what they what they show us i did (laughs) i'm beginning to think a lot of what is happening this season story-wise is the direct result of budget like all right jesse's gonna spend this whole episode in in Seth Rogen's swimming pool <laughs> in a raft and we're just going to key out the background and turn it into an endless. We talked to Jim Cameron and we're using the top of the tanks for Avatar. Yes, for our <laughs> seriously. I mean, they do that shit, right? Yeah, and, absolutely. You know, we'll stick him in a raft for the whole episode and, oh, Cassidy's going to be in this cell for every episode and Tulip's going to be in this hotel room and like it, it feel, definitely feels like they're... They're trying to make a little go a long way. They're really yeah. trying to stretch out a, a what they have. <clears throat> Not out of the realm for AMC. Yeah. Season two of The Walking Dead, it's, for instance. Ooh, like season two of Preacher, season three of Preacher, you know. that. And sometimes it works. Yeah. I think for the most part, all the raft stuff I really liked. And it's about all that I really liked in this episode. Yeah. Get into that a little bit more. 
but I just can't help but notice I see it now. Yeah. Like before, before maybe it was more skillfully done where it was not, I was not able to notice it because what was going on was so compelling that I was like, yeah, whatever. Like I'm down with the whole thing taking place here kind of thing. Mm -hmm. But, uh, yeah, it's starting to call, I think call attention to itself. Yeah. It's kind of like if somebody makes a mistake while they're like cooking something, they throw in a little bit of this to counteract that and they course correct the dish and you don't notice. But then if somebody isn't good enough to do that and they just over salted the shit out of whatever you're eating, you're just like, Oh, this is really salty. Yeah. And they weren't able to, to, to correct it at all. That's kind of what it feels like now. Like you tried to cover something with something else and now it just, it's not working. It's not gelling. I've, yeah. I feel like we didn't really feel the budget until the finale of season three mm-hmm. was like really like the biggest, like and that, even then it was such a, it was a good finale. So I don't, so we kind of like, we're really like, care. okay, you know, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Even tulip tulips, uh, demolition derby. <laughs> it was kind of one of the bigger things of like, uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. What are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> you really, this scene is going on. Hopefully they're long. saving up for something to happen. They're, they're just like, well, uh, <laughs> all right, we need, we need the, this scene to be longer. What do we do? We just have to drive around in the dirt for a while. Yeah. And, and then let's it, give a zany dude to, to <laughs> react off of Featherstone and give us. Yeah. Yeah. That'll make this episode meet the runtime. <laughs> it reminds me of Garth Marenghi's dark place. I feel like I've talked about this before where they, they make the joke about slow motion. They're like the episodes were coming in eight minutes too short, so we just started shooting everything in slow motion <laughs> to make the to make the episodes longer. <laughs> it's so funny. Very good. All right, Act One. As Cassidy is being transported to the helipad to transfer to Bensonhurst, Frankie gets held up by a recent arrival at Masada, the emissary from Hell, Hitler himself. Frankie is starstruck, and Cass seizes the opportunity to break free and kill his escorts. He finally gets the upper hand on Frankie. And kills him just like he said he would by shooting him with a gun stuck up his ass, just like Oni Madden did back in the day. Uh, Jesse feverishly tries to bail water out of the raft in a torrential downpour. The pilot is extremely pessimistic about their current status, but Jesse calls their survival a miracle since they didn't take a scratch. Jesse ultimately uses the word on the pilot to force him to be positive, so he starts bailing water too. And then Cassidy calls for an elevator to find Tulip in said elevator, but unfortunately Featherstone sticks him up before they can truly be reunited. Featherstone is looking for Tulip, but Cassidy doesn't give her up. Tulip stays hidden at Cassidy's suggestion. When the elevator door closes, he gets recaptured by Grail Men, and Tulip bursts out of the elevator elevator to take on Featherstone, but she's already gone. Instead, Hoover 2 requests Tulip's assistance with the task. Tuver. Tuver. All right. Um, yeah, so one of Bruce's comments was that uh, Frankie's death was very Ennis. It was super Garth Ennis, yeah, yes. yeah, for sure. Um, and that final shot of Cass walking away from it was basically played like a like a Dylan illustrated panel. Yeah, it's really it's a thing of beauty. Yeah, would have would have been <laughs> would have been <laughs> would have been very tight on their faces like it was when it actually happened, and then as he walks away, you get to see more of it. Absolutely, that's great. Yep. Uh yeah, so what do you think about the death of Frankie? Like, it feels too soon. Yeah, but at the same time, I don't know why. I don't. I don't. But yeah, for I'm us, not that to, invested in we're Frankie. Ki- we're we're kind of like, well, we want it to go somewhere, but then also to kind of be like, but you know, Frankie's gone now. What are we gonna do? Like, you yeah. know, yeah, yeah. It's weird because he, they made him much bigger than he is in the books, but at the same time, not big enough to really like necessitate. 
Yeah, and ultimately I'm kind of like, well, he probably should have died in the last episode. Like, do you do you really need it for this long? Yeah, but it, he does die essentially at the beginning. So whatever. Yeah. Uh, he's really funny though when he's talking about Hitler. He's like, who? Yeah, goose pimples. Goose pimples. Yeah, <laughs> that's pure evil. That's uh, that all was very again the 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 bureaucracy of heaven and hell and the grail continues to fascinate. Like, yeah. this was very very funny. I can I can toot my own horn and say that. Hitler was indeed in town for a conference. Yes. And it was related to God. And, That's right. And, and yeah. Uh, yeah, so toot toot. But Good uh, job. the, yeah, I like Frankie. Uh, I'm not sad that he's gone. I think he kind of like, to me, Frankie's importance here was holding a bit of a mirror up to Cassidy because mm-hmm. Tulip and Jesse couldn't really do that. Right. They're too concerned with themselves mostly to, to like be there to examine why Cassidy is the way he is. Um, so I think that kind of helped and I, and I think that served a function, but was it like super important this late in the game? Maybe, Uh, maybe not. We'll see where it goes, I guess. His death is also a little disappointing to me because it doesn't have the same weight to it that it does in the books. Mm. Like they, they kind of treat Cassidy's imprisonment as kind of a joke in the show. Yeah. I mean, they, they don't kind of they do like yeah. he's a foreskin machine like, yeah or generator <laughs> it's a it's a hundred percent a joke yeah and like in the in the comic it's not it's just pure sadistic mm. behavior like he's just torturing him to do it yeah until jesse shows up and he's also like basically blowing all of his limbs off and then letting him regrow them continuously yeah and while he's going through in the sh- what he's going through in the show does seem excruciatingly terrible, it seems worse in the book. Yeah, because it's un it's completely unmotivated. It's just a cruel person with it's just a bully basically with a gun. Frankie seems less. We don't really see Frankie like necessarily enjoying what he's doing. We know he's good at what he's doing, and he has an economic reason to do what he's doing. It seems like he's just doing his job. Yeah. And he also, like, is right about a lot of stuff. So I think as the viewer, you're kind of put in this weird position of, like, you kind of agree with a lot of his assessment, but because he is he is bad, you don't want to be in his corner. You don't want to agree with him. So yeah. there, there's, a little, there's definitely conflict there as the viewer to be like, he's kind of like Jody in that way. Really? Yeah. He's, he's, he's an NTC. He's right about a lot of stuff, but he's also like a bad dude. So yeah. ultimately, he is interesting in that they they give him more shape. Yeah. But I still am kind of defaulting to the book version because his his Cassie's revenge on him is so much sweeter in the book mm. because it feels more earned. Yeah. And in the show, it's obviously, you know, we like Cassidy for the most part. And we don't like seeing him get hurt, but at the same time, what he's going through is is played for laughs. Mm-hmm. So it, when he kills him, it feels like it's also kind of played for a laugh, and it doesn't really have the. It was Chekhov's death gun, not even not, <laughs> not even gun. I mean, it, technically it was, but we didn't like the Lee Enfield rifle was introduced, but but even the like Chekhov's modus operandi yeah. because Cass like called a shot pretty much, right? Yeah, that's how he's gonna kill him. Yeah, but you know, it, it 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 just doesn't necessarily like we didn't really experience Cassidy's pain, so to speak. Yeah, exactly. And like Jesse's cut him up to ship him across the country yeah, before. That's like, true. Yeah, yeah. So it's kind of it's just very strange. He's been mutilated before for for a joke. Yeah. 
Yeah, so and that's interesting. And that does happen sometimes in the book. It's very rare, though. Yeah. But, like, the whole Frankie thing in the book is, like, it's very nasty. Hmm. It's way nastier. And it's just, like, it's it's just cruel. That's the only word I can really think of for it. Where when, when you take pity on, like, a vampire for being, <laughs> like, picked apart in the book, like, you know that it's doing something effective. In the show, I never really felt bad, especially because he had the opportunity to escape and he didn't. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Multiple times that now, didn't, basically. That didn't help the situation at all. So, so Yeah, it's just weird. Like, uh, when Frankie died, I was like, well... Okay. Yeah. That's that. Yeah. Peace out, Frankie. Yeah. It was good, I guess. Good performance. Uh, Jesse using the word to get the pilot to, to bail things out. Uh, that's part of what I really like about the raft stuff in this episode is Jesse really experiences the the full weight of what using the word does. To Which feels like it's sh- it's something that should have happened in episode five, of right? The, of the series? Yes. Yeah, I agree. Like, well, yes and no, because there is, it's not similar to this, but it kind of is. He does use the word on somebody in the book in a very horrifying way. And it comes back. It pays off again, like 30 issues later Mm. and Jesse realizes what he did is cruel and like was was wrong and he apologizes and he's like I didn't realize because I think that that's kind of that's kind of a human thing to do something to someone but not realize how much it affected them until maybe much later yeah like if you think about maybe when if you were mean to some kid in high school and like you forget about it for 10 years and then something jogs your memory of that and as and an you adult just cringe yes yeah you cringe partially because you're ashamed that you were that that young and you 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 once thought that was a normal way to behave but you're also upset because you realize as an adult what how wrong that was you know yeah. what i mean and that's something everybody experiences it's just part of growing up so mm-hmm. to speak and it's also part of jesse growing up with genesis in the book like learning that it's not just fun and games like if he tells someone to shove their own foot up their ass and then they do it <laughs> in the comic. That's funny. Like that's yeah. a, that's very Ennis and Dylan, and it's it's very preacher in that they're making fun of something, but they're also treating it seriously because then, my oh God, he's just he's the master of this. Uh, then it, it does come back later, and it does pay off where Jesse realizes like, oh, I did some, I abused this power, and it really hurt. It hurt somebody, yeah. and I'm sorry for that. And he is genuinely like really remorseful. Um, and then he, uh, well, I don't say anything, anything else. Whenever we do our, our read through, we'll, we'll get to it yeah. and, and you'll be like, Oh my God. <laughs> well, and that's, the, but what I, what I'm gonna, like, I guess it didn't necessarily need to be episode five. I think there's something to be said about the fact that, you know, Jesse gets this new toy and he starts using it all over the place. That makes sense. But yeah. like, I feel like it, we would have at least planted the seed earlier mm-hmm. or, you know, it wouldn't be this dude that we've been with for two episodes right now granted he's great like i love the pilot he's He's fantastic is his name steve steve yes steve the pilot i think this is the first time we heard his name too but um (laughs) i think that character's great and i think they do great things with him but i also kind of it feels a little bit weightless other than the horror that there is that comes with it it feels a little bit weird that it's i I still don't even believe jesse's learned any lessons yet no no I by even by the end of this episode, he still blames God for it, right? He puts his body out there and starts performing the burial at sea. He sermonizes and whatnot, and then 
he gets eaten by sharks and he blames God for it. And it's probably God. But he still doesn't see what of himself led to that situation. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I don't think like, I agree. But we, okay. Well, because at that point he's he's learned a lesson. He's treating it like very solemnly, and then the God has to just be like, <laughs> doesn't he call him an asshole? Yeah. I think I think in his. I mean, it is still a joke, and there's a. I don't know. I'll have to. I'll have we'll, to we'll we'll have to see what happens next episode, yeah, right? Yeah. Like we'll see if he learned a lesson or not, but. Uh, I think it's still up for up for grabs. It's still a question. I think he did also because he's an innocent bystander. Like he's he's a regular guy. Yeah, he's a regular dude that Jesse rope roped into this without thinking about the long term ramifications of it. He's like, I'll just make this guy fly me with no support crew or anything. And you know, he does a very human thing later when he basically starts spilling his guts a little bit about like the bad things he's done and, and his regrets in life. And that it's all very, the most human behavior I think possible when you're dying or when you think you're dying is to just start talking about the things you wish you had done and mm-hmm. the things that you did that you regret and that kind of thing. And he's, he's one of the only normal characters in the show that <laughs> Jesse has ever encountered. So I think that there, that's also a little bit at play because he's not some crazed maniac trying to kill him. He's not some deviant that, He's trying to kill. He's not. He didn't abuse anybody, or at least not that Jesse's seen. Obviously, the guy says he's done bad things, but yeah. you know that could equate to shoplifting when he was, you know, he's serving a couple years in jail. He's not the dude running the methane plant in Anvil he, that's like yeah. ordering hookers, and yes. his wife is at home. He's not Jesus Desaad. He's yeah. not Ken Cannon. He's not. You're right. I I guess what it is. I need that, to, that's what I, that's what I, I need to see where Jesse's at in episode five. I I would agree. So yeah, I do agree. Yeah. And I, uh, that's just why I think part of what I liked so much about it, watching Jesse come face to face with an innocent bystander who the way Jesse treats him is kind of how Jesse thinks God is treating everybody. Yeah. And so I think that that dynamic is kind of, hopefully has shed, is coming to his eyes a little bit. Yeah. That, that what he is carrying is a, is a responsibility. Yeah. That's very good. That's very good. I liked the raft stuff a lot. Yeah, I I did too. I did too. I don't want to make it like I, I guess I'm just kind of like gun shy to be like, all right, maybe he learned something because mm-hmm. I also kind of feel like well, it's only episode four. <laughs> like yeah. I don't like what well, else are we? Gonna... I'm really excited for what that what it could mean too when Jesse gets it under if if he continues down this path and he does learn how he has to wield the word responsibly. It's there's nothing more fun than watching a character with extreme power learn how to harness it and then unleash it on the people who deserve it yeah that's the best yeah that's like the best thing about superhero movies about anything (laughs) is watch just watching like superman get his power under control and then just light up some bad guys who deserve it it's so sweet yeah and i hope that we get that's part of what makes preacher so fun in the book when you when you do see jesse using using it as a scalpel and and like a at least a very you know yeah, or even as like a, a sledgehammer, okay. but just aiming it in the right direction and using it with intent. It's just it's so awesome. So hopefully we get we get there. But yeah, we'll see. Uh, and then basically Tulip and Casket see each other. It was nice. I feel like there was more <laughs> emotion between them and the 
in the way that they interacted with each other, not saying anything. Their mm-hmm. nonverbal communication in this scene of her standing in the elevator as he's being held up mm-hmm. feels like we haven't seen their relationship get to that point. They're they're crossing something that I think we've only really seen between Tulip and Jesse at this point. Yeah. And uh, and that's a little bit of what I was talking to earlier of like we're getting to that point that we saw in the flash forward of them treating each other tenderly. Yes. So. Yeah, it's uh, we'll see where it goes. Yeah, I, don't, I still don't think I really like it. Yeah, I don't it, know but about it's well done. Yes. Yeah. It was a good scene, although. <laughs> yeah, never mind. I was going to say I don't believe the girl's dumb enough to just like. She's there in the elevator, and they don't like lean around the corner. Yeah, there are two guys that come up behind Cassie. But at the same time, why don't they see Tulip? They are that dumb. Yeah, it's the Grail. That's true. (laughs) The most powerful organization on earth (laughs) would would be completely inept. We've seen them do it many times. Yes. Uh, And Hoover Two obviously takes Tulip for a task that we're about to talk about. So yeah. All right. Act 2, Cassidy gets locked up and realizes Tulip will keep coming after him, which is what Featherstone is relying on as she lies in wait for Tulip to come to come for Cass. Hoover 2 has enlisted Tulip to be a personal valet for one of the emissaries. Eventually, Tulip finds out that the emissary is Jesus Christ himself. Cassidy continues to try to break out of his shackles, and he lets the angel know the first thing he's going to do is kill him. And then, of course, finally, the sun has risen over Jesse and pilot Steve. Steve is so hopped up on positivity that he doesn't fully realize his legs are severely sunburned. (laughs) Jesse covers them up and tries to undo the word, but the pilot quickly goes into shock. Instead, Jesse decides to make him not feel pain with the word. And Jesse believes their troubles are a test from God, but the pilot asks, what if he doesn't believe in God? Jesse replies, that's okay, just believe in him. Uh... Yeah, so um, casting the angel we can get to in Act 3 when things actually happen, I think, probably. <laughs> sure. Um, <laughs> what do you think about Jesus Christ showing up? Uh, I was very surprised by this. This the, That's that's a non-book thing, right? Jesus like, is not in the book. Yeah, So, I, it, which is funny to me because I feel like with the way that they... I guess I'm coming from the context of the show. That I, f- I, f- I feel like meeting Jesus at some point isn't out of the ordinary. Like, it could certainly be. We met the devil. We've met God. Why wouldn't Jesus be around somewhere? But. I think it's because Jesus died. Like, I think that it surprised me because he he was born and died. And so we don't expect to see him walking around. But he why not he takes his he takes the his his place at the side of god right absolutely you know and so if if god is there then why not i'm not i'm not questioning the logic of it i just think that's why it was surprising to be like well what's he doing here he's dead well wait a minute that's stupid (laughs) 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 like it was probably it was probably the dumbest thought i had during all of watching all of preacher was how's he oh wait a minute it'll be very interesting to me to discover how the show wants to treat them and whether or not they are discrete characters or, you know, how are they in tune with each other? Is Jesus this weird rebellious teenager to God? Like, there's a lot for us to discover here. We get kind of the indication later on that Jesus is ready to go on a road trip with Tulip to figure out where Cassidy's at, right? <laughs> yeah. And so, like, I th- I think 
I think it'll be a fun thing to explore potentially. I don't know exactly how they're going to do it yet, but mm-hmm. um, but it's clearly very off book, right? Yeah, you know, yeah. so yeah. any any we're, other th- we're steering further and further away from the book, which is weird. With each passing episode, how, so like, how is it going to come back around? I guess I, is the question. I don't mark. know. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Interesting. We'll see. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Any any no. other thoughts on Jesus, or this is just the reveal of Jesus, right? Yeah, I think so. Okay. Um, the only other thing that happened in this act was the sun, the sunburn. Uh, yeah, which looked horrific. Yeah. Oh, for sure. And the whole the only time I could think, why isn't Jesse burning as well? <laughs> oh, I thought the same thing. It was it was actually really funny. Like yeah. I started laughing because that's exactly what would happen in the book. <laughs> Some poor car- character would just get like third degree sunburns, and Jesse would just it's have fine. his sleeves rolled up, and he'd be fine. <laughs> he'd be like, "I'm from Texas. This is nothing." <laughs> and it would be, and you would accept that. You'd be like, "You know what? That that makes sense." Yeah. Jesse Custer is invincible. I think there's also some of it that's the God is clearly burning. He turned up the UV on this one guy. Yeah, yeah. or that guy was had like a family history of <laughs> <laughs> yeah. extreme the sun. fairest skin Exa- in the world. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that that is very funny, and that's one of those things that I just <laughs> I I got like an awesome laugh out of. I was like, of course he's fine. And like in the rainstorm, his hair's all like wet and down yeah. and he's all soaked and shitty and then by this part he just looks perfect it's again. back to normal yeah exactly it was it i was just great. think to uh, back to the the, the insider, insider po- podcast yeah. when they're like we couldn't figure out how to work with his hair at yeah all. <laughs> I, I love that when they were talking about it on the insider podcast you just how insanely handsome he is yeah that was so funny yep where they were like he's a 10 <laughs> in a town full of like threes and they're talking about where they're filming yeah and they're like dominic cooper is so distracting walking around the streets of this town because he's so impossibly <laughs> attractive and everyone else here is just ugly it's like a mutant it was uh, i don't even remember what episode that was but it was it was so funny yeah we're talking about working with him is just ridiculous because like look at him he's he's beautiful it was very good and that that hair when they couldn't figure out they were trying to get the jesse custer hair from the books and yeah. they were just like we don't we didn't know what that yeah was we, couldn't, we couldn't just just gel it straight up and <laughs> turn it into this an anime thing <laughs> yeah the pilot's performance i i didn't talk about it beforehand whoever's playing him that guy give that guy a medal because he's so funny the way he plays enthusiastic pilot is so good when Jesse first tells him, be optimistic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so funny. His uh, his uh, delivery of everything was just so good. And then as soon as he s- snaps him out of it and he looks right at his legs, he's like, oh, my God. <laughs> I was like laughing, but at the same time, I was like, this is terrible. Yeah. Poor guy. <laughs> and Jesse, quick thinking, yeah, just shut off the paint receptors. And, yeah, all right, cool. Yeah. Uh, ditch Davy. Ditch? Yes. Awesome. Born April 12th, 1972 in Melbourne. In Australia, right? Melbourne, this guy's Australian. Victoria, Australia. Absolutely. A guy named Ditch would be Australian. He was born as Christian Davy, but now he's Ditch Davy. That's Davey. so sweet. Uh, yeah, that's that's pretty good. Looks like he's been in a bunch of other TV shows. <clears throat> Is he um, in Animal Kingdom? No. No, it looks like his biggest thing is probably Spartacus. On, uh, right on. Like one of the blood and sand or whatever that Showtime. Cool. Whatever. Yeah. Ditch. Yeah, he's great. Stars. He reminds me of uh, uh, Rob Delaney from Deadpool too. Like when he was optimistic. Yeah. It's like what was his character's name? Pete or something. Like yeah. That? Yeah. Oh, it was so funny. That was, was still one of my favorite performances. I of, love of Rob Delaney year. so much. Yeah, he was hysterical. That's what he reminds me of. The mustache is also a contributing factor. Peter. Peter was. His Peter. Name. That's yep. right. Yeah. What did I call him? Dave. Yeah. Something like that. 
there was a yeah. fake Twitter account for Peter after or around the time Deadpool two came out, and it is so funny. <laughs> I don't think it's. I, th- I think it's still up there, but it's not act like there's not active tweets anymore. But oh my god, it was funny. Hmm. It was like my favorite follow around the time that movie came out. That's pretty good. Um, I did have a couple quick notes about when Cass I said, "Oh, cool, back in the cell," in all caps. <laughs> yep, great, Cassidy, back in that stupid cell. Uh, so Bensonhurst. So I guess you were right. Y- unless I don't know. Unless like, there's going to be a reveal that he hadn't been to Bensonhurst yet, and he still gets there. Yeah. No idea. Okay, so we're no, d- we're nowhere further. Than no, we were. like I, I didn't. I, yeah, I like as as we were talking about it, I was like, oh wait, so maybe he never goes to Benson. But then I was like, who kn- who knows? He gets captured again. The angel flies off with him. Yeah, but maybe the angel takes him to Bensonhurst. Yeah, I I don't know. At this point, I'm gonna guess that he was being ferried back and forth. He was. He it was. was it, maybe it was a one-time trial thing of like, hey. Well, maybe he went to Bensonhurst on Monday and Tuesday, and they did that. Then they brought him back to Masada for the class, the torture class, on Wednesday, Thursday, and then he had Friday off, and then Saturday they went back to Bensonhurst or something. Yeah. It may have just been this cycle, but based on the time Tulip spends getting in and out it doesn't line up it doesn't equate that he would have been flying around the world no yeah whatever we'll see yeah i have a feeling it will never come back nope and it's just that thread (laughs) is just it was a it was a foreskin joke and (laughs) yeah accept it laugh or don't yep all right in act three tulip is ever so slightly starstruck meeting jesus when he senses she's in trouble Hair Star butts in to let Jesus know that Hitler has arrived. Star almost recognizes Tulip, but Jesus throws him off the tail by asking about Humperdoo. Star explains when the time is right, there will be a glorious introduction of Humperdoo to the world. Hoover 2 prepares the conference room for Hitler, Jesus, and Star as Star enters. Hoover 2 notices a, gl- a languidness in Star and offers the thought that he thinks Star is sitting pretty, quote-unquote. A flattered star looks over his plans for the 2020 apocalypse when his foreskin ear sloughs off. I'm saying phrases I never knew I would say in my life. <laughs> yeah, thanks I to preacher. That was interesting as well. Uh, Jesus, uh, no, excuse me. Jesse ties a sail to the boat and gets a little movement, but ultimately the sail gets ripped off of the boat, leaving him and the pilot just as stranded <laughs> as ever. The pilot is losing blood fast as his hand was bitten off by a shark. Back at Masada, Tulip tries to ditch Jesus, but he shouldn't be concerned with her. Ba- uh, but uh, since she shouldn't, wow. Back at Masada, Tulip tries to ditch Jesus, since he shouldn't be concerned with her backstory. But Jesus offers his help, despite the potential violence and death. Um. Yeah, interesting that Jesus also uses Humperdoo to kind of throw Hair Star off of the trail again. Um, they have to know Jesus and God have to know that Humperdoo's kind of like yeah in the wind yeah <laughs> I guess by the end of this episode we have Hitler playing piano for Humperdoo but we never see him dance we don't know if it is Humperdoo so or not. it's probably not the Humperdoo right you know unless but Hell's people found him first and, and they're gonna try back. to use him as a bargaining chip mm, mm, maybe who knows um Yeah, no, I really don't know what to think about Humperdoo, but it's fun that Tyson Ritter's like 
back as Je- like we did get a little bit of Jesus right when we yeah. learned about the the beginnings of Humperdoo. Yes. So to kind of bring him back as like an actual character who ha- who can participate in the story in yeah, normal I ways. Yeah, I did not expect it. I was no. like I was really surprised. Yeah. Yeah, it's a really interesting performance. He's not I don't know if he would be like considered conventionally like handsome. But there, yeah. it, there, the way he carries himself, there is a weird allure to him. Yeah. And I was like, I kind of get it. Like, I, the, it makes me appreciate the casting a lot more. Yeah, because you can cast someone who like looks like Jesus. That's been done. But he kind of is playing him in a very weird way. He's playing him more human than we've ever seen Jesus played. I think, which is interesting. Yeah, but it's also the only, literally, the only time we've seen Jesus be played in like in the modern age. Yeah. Well. Not, and it's not like Jim Caviezel and the Passion of the Christ, right? right? Like, yeah. yeah, I don't know. It's interesting. It's like, it's this weird, <clears throat> it's the same thing we're getting with God of like, we don't really know the extent of their like power, quote unquote. Yeah, that's true. And, and like, what does, is is Jesus as omnipotent and omnipresent as God is? Like we we just don't know. Featherstone doesn't seem to think so. She treats Featherstone. Him, she treats him like a figurehead. Well, y- yes, absolutely. It, it's the same thing with Star too. Like you said, him trying to lie to God. Like they don't. They don't. I still can't believe that. There's literally no respect for these authority figures, and and I think it says a lot more about the Grail and the fact that they're just this power hungry organization that like you know is playing they they're the people abusing organized religion to to you know to their benefit right yeah but when we like that's the weird thing is that you and i are sitting here like is this god god or is it god like it, it's it's this kind of strange we don't know what they're doing with it yet mm-hmm. and what the intentions are Despite the fact that we just watched a scene of God causing the 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 the, the yeah. end of the crustaceous, of the yeah. yeah, so it, it's very weird, but I I also kind of like it. Like you said, it's kind of this thing that's keeping me in it, being like, all right, what, who, who, we are getting to the what is the thesis of preacher of yeah. the preacher adaptation mm-hmm. of like what what is God to these people writing this show. I think it's interesting. Absolutely. Yeah, I really like the performance of Jesus. Yeah. Tyson Reuter, I think it's great. Yeah. I'm really, I I like it so much more. I I feel like I got more out of him as Jesus in this episode than I've gotten out of, like, the entirety of Frankie. Like, uh, there was was more compelling stuff, I think, swirling around in this episode than I had, than I've seen in the first three. But at the same time, I didn't really like this episode that much, which is really interesting. I think I liked the two things. I liked the the Jesus tulip stuff actually worked really well in the raft. Stuff. Yeah. And God at the beginning. So yes. Yeah. Well, and it's like uh, Bruce had a point that he said in the Discord. Uh, let me read it here when I find it really quick. Not that quick. Um, he said, overall, I thought episode four was a bit of a step up. It still has issues, but it feels more right, I guess. And I that summarizes it pretty perfectly to me, too. Like I, it, Yeah, I agree. I think so, because it's finally talking about the things I've been wanting it to talk about. We found it. It, it, it almost feels like the season found its footing again. But who knows what episode five is going to bring. So right. 
we'll see. And, I then, we'll, and then we'll be halfway done with the season at yeah. that point too, which is crazy. Yeah. Uh, when the pilot said, "What if I don't believe in God?" Yeah. I like when Jesse said, "Well, I wouldn't blame you for that." That was like his initial reply, and yeah. that couldn't have been better. Like, essentially ripped out of the comic. It was so perfect. Yeah. I I just loved that exchange. I wanted to point that out. Yeah, that is that's quite good. Um, we've also got Star in the sitting pretty comment. I really don't know what to think about the Hoover Two and Star relationship at this point. Yeah, I don't either. <laughs> it's just this weird. I don't know. It's building up to the joke of like Star gets his good looks back and he still just looks like Star, right? Maybe. Or is it Star with like a fro or some like wh- what is it really gonna be? Yeah. Is it Star with hair and no more scars on his face? Does he just look like Pip Torrens? Is the question like? <laughs> but what does Pip Torrens look like? Star <laughs> with two eyes instead. <laughs> Who knows? Uh, the 2020 apocalypse plan. I think a very these four years of preacher have been kind of weirdly encapsulated in the political climate that we're in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Absolutely. So it's funny that it lines up with that. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That is very true. But uh, maybe that's why it's ending. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We're hoping that. It won't be necessary for another four years. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, that was good. The pilot gets his arm, his hand bit off by the shark. Yeah, I saw that. I I was like, something shark related is going to happen. <laughs> and if I see a shark, it's going to scare me. <laughs> I think uh, the most we got was like a fin when he gets eaten. Yeah, but, if that. Yeah. yeah, it was something. It was just bloody water and like a little bit of animation. Yeah. That was funny, though. And he just immediately was like, must have bit it off, and I didn't feel it because I can't feel anything. Yeah. And just the look on Jesse's face, just like, oh, what the? <laughs> f- try to do something nice, and this is what happens. <laughs> and then we get a little bit more of Tulip uh, apologizing to Jesus for, for lying to him about her name and, and everything. Um, I like if any of the three are going to deal with Jesus one-on-one, it's Tulip. It feels the most right because mm-hmm. of how, like, a religious what is what am i looking atheist is the right word <laughs> atheist Did you uh, google that one uh tulip feels f- in the show like like at least season 1 kind of felt very um she didn't respect Jesse for trying to be a preacher you know and and so uh watching her like reckon with this like oh so you are a real thing yeah she seems the least likely to accept that God and Jesus are real. Yeah. Cassie's a vampire, so he's automatically going to be like, yeah, anything's possible. She's also the only one that's interacted with God, too, when when she was revived at the beginning of season yes, three. So that's true. So the fact that she's getting most of the divine intervention head on, whereas Jesse's feeling it indirectly, right? Yeah, that's true. Um, interesting and, and fun. Yeah. I think it's a fun thing for Tulip to it's experience. The f- it's the f- it's one of the only times this season where I've given a shit what Tulip is doing. Like yeah. it feels important. Yeah, and I, I I dig it. Yeah, for sure. I mean, of course, it feels important. She's walking around with Jesus, but <laughs> it like it works. Yeah, yeah, works better than I kind of expected it to for some. Yeah, reason. definitely. Yeah. All right. Uh, act four. 
Featherstone kills a man who wants to go to the bathroom as Jesus makes his way down to the dungeon. Jesus tries to get past Featherstone to get to Cassidy, but she absolutely will not let him through. Jesus reports back to Tulip, who decides to take matters into her own hands once again. Cassidy devolves his own, uh, devolves, degloves, thanks autocorrect. Cassidy degloves his own hands from the shackles and crawls up the dungeon walls to kill the angel. The angel dies, but we hear the telltale whoosh of reinvigoration as the angel reappears outside of the cell and makes his way in. He grabs Cassidy and flies off, uh, flies off out of the top of the cell. Jesse tries to console Steve the pilot as he appears to be slipping into death. Steve begs Jesse for salvation as he believes Jesse is God, and Jesse tries to use the word to keep Steve alive, but it does not work. The fact that Jesus is like, I couldn't get past him. Right, it yeah. great. It was hilarious. Yeah, like... <laughs> well, the way he, he he carries himself initially, and then when he's in there, he's like, he seems like a bummed out kid. Yeah, he's like, it didn't work, man. Yeah. Like, that, yeah. I really enjoyed that. And, and and just the very, like... The notion can, that someone would tell Jesus no. Yeah. It was crazy. And they pull it off, like, <laughs> is really funny. But, like, I, I like that you kind of... Um, Featherstone is decidedly not starstruck about it. Like, she's like, oh, hey, Jesus. Like, and it's, it doesn't necessarily feel like she's seen him before, but she also, like, it feels like she doesn't care, which is funny. And to just kind of see her put on this, like, she she knows she has to put on a persona when interacting with a heavenly deity. Yeah. I think it's very interesting. Um, the reinvigoration mechanic. 100% forgot about it. Me too. Yeah. And I was so delighted to. Yeah. I was like, why the, f- why did he kill him? <laughs> oh. Yeah. As soon as I heard the whoosh, I was like, that son of a bitch. Right. I, I we was, haven't seen that since season one. Yeah, right? yeah. Because after that, they weren't reinvigorating. Yeah. No, yeah. But just uh, season one was loaded. Or with season it. two, because uh, Fiore goes to goes oh, to yeah. kill his it's part of his, his shtick. His, yeah. yeah, his Vegas act is yeah. killing himself. Yeah, that's right. It's like a bad version of the Prestige yeah. going on. But, but season one was just loaded with it. Yes. And so yeah, I, I, it's been a minute. Yeah, absolutely. It was great. Yeah. Um. I wasn't like that uh, wowed by Cassidy degloving his hands. I also was kind of like, why didn't this happen before? Why couldn't he chew his hands off like he did with his foot earlier? Yeah. So it kind of felt a little like he's escaped too many times at this point. Yeah. And I hope he doesn't have to do it again. I fully expect to see him back in that cell next week (laughs) at this point. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then the constellation between Jesse and Steve. Um, Steve literally thinking Jesse is God, I think, is is pretty telling. Um, just kind of the like people trying to comprehend. We don't we don't stick around people enough that have been affected by the word. Yeah, to see them try to reckon with what's happening to them. Sure. So kind of reaching an endpoint with that finally was was new ground to break and and kind of interesting to watch. Yeah, and again to watch Jesse have to face the reality of what he did. Yeah. I hope it ends up being meaningful. I hope so too. I do. I I'm being a little pessimistic with it, I think, but I I I uh, you know, there's precedent. We'll yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, and we can finally get to act 5. 
Tulip and Jesus head down to the dungeon to find out that Cassidy has escaped on his own. When Jesus asks Tulip what uh, what she will do when she finds Cassidy, she says she'll do whatever the hell she wants. And Jesus asks if he can join her. Jesse attempts to bury Steve, the pilot, at sea, but as he sermonizes, sharks tear apart Steve's corpse. As Jesse curses God, he hears laughter and turns around to find that he's made it to the beach in Australia. Hitler slips a Luger to a guard, uh, Grail guard to see Humperdoo and his talents for himself, just as the Saint and Eugene arrive at the Gulf of Mexico. The Saint heats up his revolver's hammer with his heat breath and shoots the <laughs> ground to make a tunnel to the other end of the earth, where he and Eugene crawl out to find themselves at the same beach that Jesse landed at. Yeah, so we talked about Jesus and Tulip. Him wanting to join her, I think, is fun. Yeah. We'll see where that goes. How far away? I guess the biggest question that I'm most intrigued to find out right now is where did Cassidy end up? Right? Yeah, for sure, because it's still daylight, right, when they fly out of there? Yeah. So, Hmm. who knows? Yeah. Uh, Are they just on top of Masada fighting and then he goes back into his cell or something? (laughs) Or he starts burning and the angel just drops him and he's like, sorry, (laughs) and he falls back in there. Yeah. Um... The cruelty of, of Steve's body being just eaten by sharks, I think, was good. And Jesse's reaction to it. Jesse knows now that God is fucking with him. Yeah. Like, it's almost like there's no question in his mind of, like, there has to be something at play right now. Yes. Which I think is also something that Bruce kind of arrived at. Yeah, the bit about the sale we didn't really talk more about, but that was very funny. Yes. A little glimmer of hope, and then it just gets ripped off. Ripped away. right off. Yeah. yeah. Like, everything that can go wrong will go wrong. Uh-huh. Very Murphy's Law. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, Hitler slipping the Luger to the guard, you know, a little bit more of the funny Nazi humor yeah. that we missed from season three. <laughs> <laughs> that classic, <laughs> classic Nazi humor. Uh, same thing with him playing the ragtime or whatever soft shoe mm-hmm. song cool <laughs> yeah you know if you had told me a few years ago that i'd be sick of seeing noah taylor right i would be like shut up isn't that the saddest thing to come out of preacher is that we're kind of like all right noah <laughs> like that's enough let's see something else but uh yeah and then the saint and and eugene okay <laughs> You you uh you snickered at my heat breath comment because <laughs> <of> how <laughs> why, why not yeah yeah his hell magics how does it feel to have traded the journey through the center of the earth for the <laughs> standing at the bow of the ship with it's, the rain it's a hollow trade I don't even know why you know like you think they would be all for the like green screening that they would do to put him on the bow of a ship in the center of a storm right like, i'm assuming it has something to do with time just the time it would take to sail from the gulf of where are they the gulf of mexico yeah to australia it'd take a minute that's true that's true that's they just wanted to get that, in there quickly yeah <laughs> it just was so <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even really enjoy the graphics of it happening. How do you even talk about it? <laughs> yeah. How do you even begin to wrap your head around that? It's so it's so outrageous that it, it defies conversation. Yeah. Like what? 
<laughs> it's a bullet hole. <laughs> but they do. Yes. Why why was making his guns hammer is it hot? Like, is it like oh my god, is he Santa? Is it like the Santa Claus? <laughs> his body just shrinks and what if they don't have a chimney? His body just goes in and sucks it through like a straw. <laughs> Yes. Oh, man. The saint is actually St. Nicholas. Is Tim Allen? Yes. Could you imagine that? Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> so that's episode four of Preacher <laughs> yeah. Season 4. It was just so... And then it ended. Yeah, it was done. <laughs> that happened. <laughs> and then it went to credits. And like when it went dark, I was like, oh, another commercial. No, that's that's the note we were left with. You I'm know what was even weird, weird about it to me, too, was like it almost looked as though it was not the same. Like they basically had to put the deflated raft there to show you that it was the same beach because it looked like a completely different beach to me. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think it also helped signify that they're they're hot on his tail yeah yeah i actually right did there. like the reveal that he was just offshore that was funny that was good like the, yeah. this crash zoom back and then the australia i was like that's kind of lame like i saw that joke coming but at the same time it just was really funny the way it was executed so yeah, like, yeah what is that uh what is that like indicative of it's similar to like the ending of uh the the mist right but there's all i feel like there's another movie or something you mean like, like if steve had held in there for 20 more minutes they would have been they would have made it to shore well we get we get the impression of like god magically deposits jesse there yeah right? he just winds up at australia yeah not not necessarily that it was like oh, okay that, that they were there all along yes yeah because they would have seen it yes yeah that's that's well you would think you'd hope so that's kind of what i'm thinking but but it does feel a little bit like like the end of the mist or there's another movie that i'm thinking of of like not to spoil the mist for anybody and i don't think it really uh, does yeah, if I you don't think, think you about have. it too hard but uh but i feel like there's another movie where it's just like we're the the character's waiting to get somewhere or something and it turns out that it's just right there it's played for a joke or something like i'm sorry i'm if, sure, that, I'm if sure anybody that, listening might know what i could possibly be thinking of i'm sure that's happened more than once yes it feels like a trope that's kind of what happens in the odyssey it might be on tv tropes like uh yeah homer is or not homer um odysseus is almost back yeah and then he talks some shit about zeus or whatever right or he talks shit about Poseidon or anyway, some, some God is like, all right, dickhead. Yeah. Enjoy 15 more years. Let's see. <laughs> and they just blow him so far off course that he has no choice, but to, to try to get back. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. It was still funny. It was a funny shot. It I was, it. it was good. Just the way that the sound fades in and you hear the beach <laughs> activities going on. Yeah, and, and it's just like a, fully loaded public beach and yeah like, and there's just it reminded me of like a wes anderson shot too the way it pulled back and yeah the way he, except it would be it reminds me of that weird zoom in in the life aquatic when uh angel angelica houston is on the boat mm-hmm. coming to rescue them um <laughs> yeah anyway beautiful yeah that that same thing is so funny because it's because it's not it's nonsense like that that's the ice pack yep of this show yeah. i'm like you know what no <laughs> Jesus is here, <laughs> but this is too far. <laughs> I refuse to accept that this worked <laughs> because Eugene followed him somehow. Yes. Eugene, Eugene survived the, the core center of, the, of earth. the earth. Yes. And it's fine. <laughs> it's one of those things. Like if they had really ever 
actually tried to give it any logical consistency, you'd be like, okay, like, really? <clears throat> but at the same time, without having, like, especially because there's no precedent for the saint doing anything like this. Oh, sure. I remember the heat, the heat breath in season at the end of season three was you, you reacted the exact same way with <laughs> just like, what the fuck was that? So it, it definitely feels like they're in some ways they're on cruise control or they're just like, you know what? It's got to happen. How does he do it? He shoots to the earth and then he, comes on the other side he rides the bullet to the other side cool how do we film that i don't know yeah it it, it is it is the most deus ex machina it, like we need to that get I've, that i've ever seen point a to point b yeah that's a bummer yeah and it's weird because i think about like at the end of episode one the saint and eugene could have arrived at the gulf they could have just driven there arrived at the gulf got on a boat midway through episode three show the shot of them on the boat you could pay homage to the comic and at the same time explain how they're on their way although i guess jesse's not in australia yet so they'd be going to the wrong place and i'm i mean maybe i'm being a little hung up on this awesome Even so. panel from the book but i just feel like that mechanic you can wrap your head around that you like you know what okay these are the saints powers this is what he can do a, B, C, D. That's all very clear when you meet the saint. And that's it. Yeah. That's what he can do. Well, and that's the thing is that this. And from then on, you're like, okay, how does he get anywhere? Well, he's got to walk. He's got to ride or he's got to take a boat or a plane. Like that's just. But at the same time, it, it works because he's so unstoppable that he doesn't need any more magical abilities to do anything because you're like, oh, shit, he's on his way. When he gets there, there's going to be a reckoning, and that's sweet. Yeah. See, here's the thing, is if episode two of this show opened up with, like, a dude inside the interior of a cabin just, like, laying dead, and we just, like, pull out through this trail of bodies on this ship that we can tell is a ship swaying with the motion of the ocean or something like that, and we just kind of slowly pull out to reveal that the saint and Eugene are standing at the bow of the boat as it's raining. We know that he's going to get to where he's going. Yep. And if we literally never see him again until he's there that's to fine. fuck shit up, because right. we know that's what he's going to do. How awesome would that be? Yeah. And that's all you need. Instead of, and I'm trying to think now to, to counter that, I'm like, okay, but was the stuff that we saw of the two of them worth it? No. <laughs> no, it wasn't. <laughs> in my Did opinion, we need the sex detective's little slip in there? No. no. Did we need Eugene trying to humanize another almost irredeemable being? Well, and a It was okay. A character that doesn't need to be humanized. Yes. That's not his function in the story. Yeah. I think that it's okay. I know that uh there was a little counterpoint to this in the in the Discord that maybe humanizing these characters makes them more interesting. Yeah, maybe. But at the same time... I think it. the saint has a role to play. Yeah, and it, it works. Not every character has to be... The well, saint himself. Not every character has to have an arc and be well-rounded and be... Not all your villains have to be sympathetic, you know? Mm -hmm. Not all your heroes have to be perfect or not all your heroes have to have flaws. Like, it's okay to have 
I really hate to use this term, but it's okay to have one-dimensional characters <laughs> yeah. if they serve the story. Yes. Make the saint paper thin. Yeah. That's fine because you know what? It's awesome <laughs> and it works for the book. He's literally a thing for... Plus, we already have his motivate. We already have his his story and it was incredibly executed. That's I've all only, you need. That's all the character you need for him. He's and it's good. only since been clouded for me too. Like at this point, like at the end of last season, the saint learned that God was in the room when it was decided to torture his family. Yep. And why does he care about Jesse anymore? God, you hit the nail on the head so hard. Why? So there's no motivation there. The it thing about the, the, the saint is he's a he's a gun, right? Yeah. He's a man that was turned into a gun. Yep. And he was meant to be used as a gun. And what makes him compelling is when the gun gets turned around on the person who made the gun, which yes. is what happens in the book, too. Yeah. Exactly what you just said. Eventually, there's a moment where the saint also learns in the book those facts, basically. Oh, I don't want to ruin the scene for you or anybody because it's so good, so I won't. Yeah. But, yes, that exact question is raised and everything changes. Yeah. It's just the best. And... Yeah, why haven't we? Why isn't that like? I, I guess maybe I should rewatch the scene from the finale again. But like, the deal was Satan wanted the saint to go kill Jesus, and maybe he was going to give him his soul back or something like that. I don't know, and he would go to heaven. But but I still don't even like. That's not he kills Satan. <laughs> yeah. When he learns that God was in the room, and I feel like the saint should only be focused on God at this point. Period. Yeah. So. Who knows? And maybe the reveal will. Let's not even speculate. I yeah, I don't want to risk well, leading anybody down a path they're not ready to go down. We'll see what happens. It's weird to get so continuously hung up on this character. I feel a little ridiculous, and I hope nobody is like, "Oh, dude, let it go." Well, I think they have been, but but he's one <laughs> of the <laughs> to to a point. Uh, but but the thing is, is that I yes, I get some reflected glow off of you because part of my exposure to this has been <clears throat> learning what your expectations have been. But also, the problems that you have are things that I think are pretty clearly even reflected in the show itself. Yeah, it's and... it is self demonstrably stupid. They gave. The saint himself is a deus ex machina for certain things to happen. Yes. He's a gun. He does things that affect the people in the story. Yep. To give a deus ex machina to get the deus ex machina to where it needs to go is so <laughs> needless. Yeah. <laughs> when you put it that way, it's kind of great. It, yes, it's a funny joke, but like, no, we don't need it. No. We don't need it. Yeah, there, it could have been done. And you know what? We're, we're looking with, with season four of Preacher. We're all about the bottom line yeah we're all about trimming this budget uh -huh. hey write these characters out of the f three episodes yes. and just let them be on a boat somewhere boom yep now we could spend more time doing other stuff that is will serve the story better yeah yeah i mean ugh, i i don't want to act like we could do this better and i'm not saying that we can but it just feels it feels like no one's really behind the wheel so much anymore. And somebody pointed out in the Discord, actually, I'm sorry, I can't give credit to whoever it was, that Rogan and Goldberg have not written or directed any of these episodes. I don't. I haven't seen S Sam Catlin's name anywhere. Either. That's that. That's the weird thing to me is like, uh, yeah, it was Bruce. Bruce is the one that brought it up. I don't 
where's Sam Catlin at right now? Like, I don't think. Let me double check. It feels like they all hopped. This is a phenomenon that I actually just learned about um, recently, and maybe it's something I should have learned about sooner. But in the actual film production world, and I learned from a friend uh, that this is hap- this is apparently rampant in Atlanta, mm. of all production communities, because it's not a it's not as established yet, but apparently a lot of uh, crew members will book a gig, they'll book a, a feature or whatever for three to eight weeks, whatever, somewhere in that time frame. And then what inevitably happens when you work in that field, you're like you're a contractor essentially, you have to start worrying about your next what's your next gig? What's your yeah. next gig? And apparently it's it's a serious problem in Atlanta where people are booking their next gigs and they're bailing their current gig a week early to go jump on the new gig. They're hopping and apparently this is like a serious problem. And a friend of mine who was moving to Atlanta or just did was describing this. He's like, Yeah, there's a need for people down there because people keep just bailing keep bailing yeah. and then that's a short-term solution that creates a long-term problem because then no one's going to want to hire you again you're going to be eternally working first time with people on things that don't know you yet yeah but i was like that i kind of can't help but feel like that's what happened here like rogan and goldberg were like oh we get to do the boys and we get to do it however we want it we can make it as graphic as we want sweet here's Zeus our second in charge yeah you're gonna finish up preacher here's the story beats we'll we will we'll beat out the whole script for you and then just oversee it and get it done so it looks like sam catlin did co-write the premiere of the season and he did singularly write the finale okay great you bookended it and then told somebody else gave everybody else filling in the, sure. the plot points you know so and i don't know what else catlin is on now if he's on another gig yeah that he's was the other on thing. the boys with them or if he's on to something else but I, it does feel like it has not been seen through it's kind of like what jj abrams did with lost actually mm. it's also very similar like he was he launched lost and he was an ep throughout but at the same time it's irrefutable that the dude focused on making movies yeah I mean, he's he's always kind of bent like even with like fringe and lost and he starts things and then he walks away and does something else yeah uh yeah sam catlin doesn't have anything like in the works on imdb so yeah whatever yeah he's on vacation anyway that's it for this week's episode Mm. i i uh I, i have to get going i have a heart out in nine minutes so we're going to wrap it up. Okay. It's going to take me nine minutes to read the I want to talk more about the Saint of Killers. He's <laughs> iconic. <laughs> Once again, you can find more episodes of our podcast at G2TPodcast.com. We're also on TV Time, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, and Google Play Music. We're G2T Podcast on Twitter, and you can email us at G2TPodcast at gmail.com to tell us what you think of our podcast and share your thoughts on AMC's Preachers so we can read them on our show. Send us corrections, observations, or anything regarding Preacher or our podcast. The Midwest Podcast Network has other shows about video games, horror movies, FX's The Alienist, and HBO's Westworld. Find out more about these shows as well as how to support the network on MidwestPodcastNetwork.com. Quick note about Westworld. Supposedly, Season 4 is going to film soon. What? Yeah. The Casey Bloys of HBO said they're contracted for two more seasons, so we may get five seasons of Westworld. Okay. But anyway, 
Our theme music is the song All In by The Red Thread, and it is being used under a non-commercial Creative Commons license. That's all for this episode of Gone to Texas. We can't wait to see what next week's episode of Preacher brings, but until then, go forth and speak the good word.